Welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me is Pastor Jeremy Houston, pastor of Foundation Baptist Church. You can find links to all of our other conversations with Pastor Houston in the description below. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about counseling young men. And I propose this topic simply because of your role in a couple of different ministries. One is football camp. Uh, there's a Midwest football camp that's uh, for uh, Christian young men. And uh, more than just football, it's teaching them character. It's an opportunity uh, for them for a week to hear preaching, uh, to be challenged physically, to be challenged mentally, to be challenged emotionally. Um, and you have been working there for how many years, helping out with that camp? About 16, I think. 16 years. And so have been a football coach, but at the same time, um, counseling young men um, in a way that maybe in some cases they're giving up you know, worldly things at camps, as Christian young men do at, uh, at uh, Christian camps. Um, maybe dealing with young men with a call to preach or a burden for souls and things like that. Uh, but on top of that, you're also the dean of men at Providence Baptist College. And so not just dealing with teenage young men, you're dealing with uh, older uh, college age young men. And you know those perspectives probably have given you a, an appreciation of how to counsel young men. And specifically, you can pinpoint maybe the things that young men need to be counseled on, the topics, the things they're struggling with. Uh, the things that they need uh, to hear, the things that they need accountability on, sure. and things like that. So uh, talk about, you know, am, am I right? I mean, in my perspective of well, counseling men, young men. Men in general um, have been the focus of my ministry. Of course, I'm a pastor. Mm -hmm. I was a youth pastor for four years. Um, I have been at football camp for, I think, 16 years um, and uh, missed it this past year. The COVID crisis yeah. uh, that was that was rough. Um, that was the, that was that was a big disappointment to not be able to do some of the things that we've always done. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, being here at the college, dean of men, um, men matter. You know, um, the nuclear home matters. The establishment of God making a man, and then giving him responsibility and giving him authority. Um, and putting him under God's authority before he ever gave him a wife, all of those things matter. And so men are, are what I feel like as a pastor I, I like to invest in. Um, I always want to invest in the men of our church. And so I believe that when you're dealing with young men, you still need to treat them as men. Um, sometimes it's hard as a, as a father. I've got two young boys. Uh, my oldest is 11. My second son is six. And of course, we have three daughters as well. Sometimes it's hard to see them as men and treat them as men. Um, but we, we don't want to raise children. We want to raise adults. It's true. You know? yeah. We're trying to get people from immaturity to maturity. And so we see them where they are, but we need to treat them where they'll be. And so we're trying to treat them as men. We're trying to uh, invest in their potential. Um, potential is God's gift to us, and what we do with it is our gift to God. And so as we have that potential placed within us or the potential of young men that are sitting there with us, we're trying to allow them to recognize who they are in Christ, that we're accepted in the beloved and our value is in Him. And so many times we, we get so materialistic or 
uh, we see the physicality of who we are as men. Sometimes, you know, we're pumping iron, and we think to be a man, you got to be, you know, big, tough. You got to, you got to walk with a swagger. You got to have a, have a tough mouth. You got to be able to say some things. And in all actuality, um, that's that. There's there's some manhood about that. We need to see some masculinity mm -hmm. in young men. But the long-term effect is that we need to have men that are yielded to God. And um, football camp is a way to establish a benchmark of you can do something that you didn't think you could do. Sure. There is the level of growing to listen, to uh, be a team player, to know that your coach has got your best interest in mind, and yet he still has an objective that he wants you to follow. And so he's going to teach you how to play your position. You need to play it. You need to you need to work through those things. But Phys uh, football camp is not just the physicality of it all. There's a lot of spirituality there. Um, football camp's not about football. And that's one of the things, that's the reason why I go back every year is that football camp, I love football. My dad was a high school football coach when I was born. Um, football was a big part of his life. He purposely st stepped way back from football when I was a youth. And the first time I ever got to play football, I was 16 years old and it was a football camp. Mm -hmm. And I honestly believe that football camp impacted my life in such a way that I don't, I don't think I'd be where I am today without football camp. And so I'm thankful for Brother Woodward, Brother Booth, uh, the men that have invested in my life. Brother Grimaldi was my first coach there. Of course, these men are all still faithful. It's amazing. Uh, you know, you see the men that have invested in your life. You know, Brother Grimaldi, uh, Brother Coral was an assistant coach there. Uh, my dad... Um, you know, Pastor Dean Noonan, um, Pastor Mark O'Donnell. These are these are men that are they've been faithful for years, and those are the men that have invested in my life. Pastor Angel goes there. Pastor Gomez goes there. And many men that 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 I look up to. The reason why I came to Providence Baptist College mm -hmm. was because of football camp, and so it it has impacted my life in ways that I can't I can't even um, put in words, honestly. And that's why I feel like it's such an important um, aspect of my life. But I believe that young men need to be treated as men. They need to be shown what they can be, not just what they are. Uh, too many times we say, you know what, you're just immature. I'm just going to leave you alone. But we need to take somebody where they're immature and say, no, there's, there's a level of maturity that I need to bring you to. And so we need to point them to their potential and then show genuine care and concern for them. You know, as we're counseling and mentoring young men, we can't be fake. Mm -hmm. um, I was reading um, a list of things by um, Charles Spurgeon just a couple days ago, and he said he wanted in his Bible college for young men to be able to know their teachers because the more that they knew their teachers, the more that they could view their lives the more that they could learn from them. And I believe that sometimes we drop the ball where we have this mystique in ministry and we forget this mystique in ministry um, is not for the men we're trying to invest in. You know, there are some aspects of, of, of ministry. There's some things that we kind of keep back and we play the man and we show courage and, and we, go in a, we go behind closed doors and we weep. You know, sometimes we don't weep in front of everybody. But sometimes we go behind closed doors and you, you deal with issues. But there needs to be a mentoring of young men in the way. Um, Paul had Timothy and Timothy had Paul. But before Paul had Timothy and Timothy had Paul, Paul, as Saul, had Barnabas, the son of consolation. 
invest in his life, mentoring him. And so Paul said to Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life. He said, I've, I've kept back nothing that, that could benefit you. He even said that to the elders of the church in Ephesus. He said, I've kept back nothing that, that could profit you. I have labored among you. You have watched me. I have invested. I've even been by vocational to help you. I've done all these things, laboring day and night. I, I kept back nothing that, that, that could benefit you. And I believe that that is what every young man needs in his life. He needs a mentor. So every young man needs uh, some honesty and transparency from his counselor so that he can examine his counselor's life, uh, have an unobstructed view of you know his vulnerabilities, weaknesses, and how he can even overcome some of those things. Well, one of the things about weaknesses, um, sometimes we'll use ourselves as illustrations to try to help young men. Um, we need to be able to be transparent. Um, don't be the hero of every story. Do let them know that you have obeyed God. Do let them know that you have followed God by faith. But it's not because you were smart, smart or more intelligent or that you have such great character. It's just that you said, I realized at some point in my life I was dumb as a box of rocks and I needed God. And so you, you're not trying to kick them while they're down. Most young men don't come to see you um, while everything's good in their life. And, and a lot of times, especially as a dean of men, I don't really see a lot of young men until there's a reason for them to come see me. And uh, I'll say, hey, you got a minute? And, and they go, oh. And I'll talk to them about a circumstance or situation in their life that is not good. Um, it, it's not devastating all the time. Sometimes it's just, you know, there's a character flaw. There's a situation that we need to work with. And so um, we need to, to get to a place where we establish everything on biblical principles. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors there's safety. And so I want to be just a, a voice into a young man's life. But especially here at the college, that young man has parents. Yeah. That young man has a pastor back home. He has a pastor here. Uh, if he's joined Northwest, you know, Pastor Gomez, Pastor Cavanaugh, they're investing in his life. He needs to have everybody's voice in his life. I don't need to be the only voice. And so I don't need him to say, well, Brother Houston told me this is what I should do. I got to do this. Sometimes, sometimes he needs to listen and hear the multitude of counselors and then say, okay, Holy Spirit of God, what do I do? And I got to point them to learn that they've got to listen to God above all things. Um, don't be unteachable. One of, the, one of the biggest problems that we have in young people, in people in general as a pastor, is that people are unteachable. And um, sometimes we're as pastors, unteachable, sure. and we, we think we've arrived. And honestly, when you think you've arrived, stick a fork in you, you're done. You've arrived, but you're, you're never going to go any farther. And so um, I believe that if we're going to impact and influence the next generation, we've got to do it right now, and we've got to know God and His Word, and we've got to establish everything that we mentor and counsel upon the Word of God. You've got to know the book. If you don't know the book, you can't help people. My philosophy is not going to help them. All of my you know, past experiences and successes and failures um, in a secular way, there's a lot of philosophy that goes into like, you know, a, a counselor. But a biblical counselor points people to the Word of God, points people to God Himself. And so um, Jesus challenged Peter. I, I see him ch encouraging him. You know, whom do men say that I am? Well, some say that you're John the Baptist and some Elias and some others, uh, maybe one of the other prophets. And he said, but 
but who, who do you say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. He encouraged him. And then Peter said something, you know, six verses later, it was stupid, and Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. So he, he encouraged him, but then he also scolded him. Uh, there was times when Peter was was wildly successful. There were other times when Peter wasn't. But I, I look at that mentoring and the counseling of Jesus. He said, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Jesus believed in Peter when Peter didn't believe in himself. He went out and wept bitterly. He had failed the Lord. He had cut off the you know, Malchus's ear. He had, he had done so many really stupid things, and Jesus still believed in him. And what you're saying harkens back to one of the first things you said, is having an expectation and treating young men like men. Right. They may not even view themselves in that manner, but if you view them in that manner, then maybe that can actually rise to the occasion. And right. And, and every young man needs a mentor, yeah. not just somebody that he can talk to or that talks to him but somebody they can talk to. Uh, mentoring and counseling men and young men is also listening. Sometimes we have to listen. I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes sit down and I'll say, okay, tell me what's going on. And they'll uh, uh, I, I say, okay, what did you just say? Tell me that again. And I'll say, this is what I think the issue is. Tell me if I'm wrong. And usually it's that, it's that aspect of somebody speaking out and making... Um, themselves known through their speech. You know, Peter, when he was when he was there outside of, of, of the courtroom and Jesus is getting ready to be condemned to death, uh, they said, your speech bereath you. <laughs> you know, when we speak, it sometimes tells on us. And so I'll ask questions. I'll say, you know, talk to me. And I think that sometimes we are really good at speaking and telling and explaining, but then sometimes we don't ask do you have a question? Or counseling is not preaching. Counseling is not preaching, yeah. and that is something that's very important. So I believe that I believe in young men. I believe they're needful. I believe that we can't drop the ball. We cannot fail to pass the baton to the next generation. We've got to live that Second Timothy two two life. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. I didn't come to these stances on my own. Somebody helped me get here. Somebody taught me. Somebody mentored me. Somebody encouraged me. Somebody counseled me. And now I want to pass that on to the next generation. But I also understand this. As I am influencing a young man, I'm also understanding that I'm being able to influence the people he's influencing. Especially in a Bible college setting, you know that these, a lot of these young men are going to go into ministry one day and... and counsel all people, kinds of people themselves. Sometimes we're dealing with a situation in his life that he needs to take care of now. Yeah. But he's going to get through this and he's going to have comfort wherewith he was comforted and he's going to have counsel wherewith he was counseled. And I, I realize that the influence that I'm giving to him is also influence he's able to give to somebody else. And again, it passes down from one generation to the next. And so there's a couple things. Um, hold the standard high, but don't make it impossible say, look, this is the expectation I have for you. I, I know you're imperfect, but you've got God and you have the spirit of God. He's going to help you live there. And then the other thing is though we have the expectations, we've still got to show grace. We've got to say, I understand you failed, but I'm here for you and I'm going to help you through it. And then the other thing is um, we don't need to excuse sin. There's never a time when a counselor uh, takes uh, the influence that he has and says, you know what, let me absolve. 
I can't absolve sin. I got to point them to the cross. But the other aspect of it is if there's sin, we can't sweep it under the rug. We got to deal with it. And so there's, there's a lot of those aspects that I believe really impact long-term what God will do with the young man's life. And um, the most important thing that he needs to know is not only does God have confidence in me, he's made me an ambassador for him, he's given me a calling on my life, but I've got somebody across the desk that no matter the time of day, I can shoot him a text or I can make a phone call and say, hey, I need some help, I need some prayer, I need somebody to talk to. And um, we've got to be accessible. We've got to be approachable. And we've got to know that what we do has an eternal uh, impact that makes a difference. And so I'm grateful for the opportunity that God's given me to impact lives. But it's, it's come about because others have impacted my life. And I think that that is, that is something that can never be lost sight of. It always goes full circle. It sure does. Thanks so much, Pastor Houston, for talking to us about this. You can view our other previous conversations with Pastor Houston uh, in the links in the description below. Thanks so much for watching.